Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith, and we are coming to you today from the sunny metropolis of Tallahassee, Florida, where we will be interviewing Dr. Jermaine Robertson and his family as they talk about their path to spirituality. Greetings, family. How are y'all doing today? Good. Great. Why don't you take a second and introduce yourselves? Well, I am Olafun. That is my spiritual name. And I am a son, brother, husband, father, and friend. I am Takesha. And I am the wife of Dr. Robertson. My name is Zuri, and I'm the son of Takesha and Jermaine Robertson. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 17. 17, okay. Senior in high school? Yes, sir. That's right. Getting ready for college, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. So we're going to begin this uh, conversation. I just want to have you all share a little bit about your path to spirituality and understanding how you incorporate spirituality into the fabric of your family currently. So go from the beginning and bring us forward. We'll start with the parents. <laughs> okay, well, uh, in the beginning, there was my mother and her mother and all of my and my grandfather and uh, right there in Jacksonville, Florida is where I was born and raised and my family grew up oh I should say I grew up in my family uh, Christian uh, which meant uh, we did a lot of church and uh, our prism through which we saw spirit was through religion, which um, is for me a vehicle and a tool that moves you towards spirituality. So uh, my foundation, though, very spiritual with prayer and family and connectedness. And so being raised in a family that valued a higher power and ensuring that we um, embraced our connection to the creator um, obviously as it expressed itself within the context of Christianity 
as I grew up. Um, so that would be, I guess, the beginning in terms of my growth and development uh, and movement toward where I would eventually end up, which is uh, uh, after being uh, in college, uh, undergraduate, um, I would say I began to ask questions and got certain kind of answers that kind of helped me deepen my understanding of the religion or the vehicle through which I would express my spirituality and also my Africanity or consciousness. Those things came together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, through those questions that would sort of um, provide me a certain level of consciousness and information about religion, um, but also help me understand that in this history uh, that is um, associated with African people, that there exists a deep reservoir of spiritual knowledge and wisdom that I had up to that point been mostly unaware of um, because our understanding of um, the creator uh, was through this prism of Christianity. And Mm -hmm. so um, these fundamental questions which led to a certain level of consciousness led me to uh, begin to seek uh, answers and understand how did our people um, prior to Christianity understand the creator and the divinity Mm. and um, what were the systems of understanding. And so that led me to um, spiritual systems and spirituality, Mm -hmm. um, moving beyond certain kinds of religious dogma Mm -hmm. to uh, removing all of that, deepening that, right? Because there are certain things that are fundamental, um, prayer, respect for the creator, respect for your connectedness to your family and to your community, that spirituality, those things connect us. And that's what my family gave me, that foundation. Um, But going through college and being aware of uh, information that let me know that our people had a system of understanding and getting to the creator and connecting with nature that predated that thing that I had grown up with. Um, Mm. You know, those fundamental questions that begin, that I begin to ask and the answers begin to reveal themselves led me to this current path that I'm Mm -hmm. on. Okay, so would it be safe to say that you grew up a Christian, you went to college, and then began to explore other um, systems of connecting with God? Correct. Okay. All right, good. Um, Takesha, what about you? How would you describe your uh, process of growth? As a, as a child, my father's family were a combination of AME and Baptist, and my mother's side of the family were Jehovah Witness. And mm-hmm. so where she didn't raise us as Jehovah Witness, my grandfather and my uncle and my cousins were. My father really wasn't too big on religion. Uh, so I went to church, you know, Sunday school. 
um, vacation Bible school only because my grandmother came and got me and took me. So it was kind of like, I don't want to say going through the motions, but it was a divide. So my mother was trying to find her way from being raised Jehovah, and my dad really didn't want any parts of it. Um, <laughs> and so there was my grandmother trying to expose me to what she believed. Um, so throughout my childhood, even in the college, when I went to church, I either went AME or Baptist. I didn't make the change until I had gotten married and my husband was already on this path um, of learning what African spirituality was mm. or is. And so watching him, I slowly started to make the change. So I would go participate, engage, but I would still sit back on the peripheral. Mm -hmm. um, so my process was very different than my husband's and it took me much longer to get to the place I am now mm. uh, with my spirituality uh, in comparison to uh, my husband's. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, the, when you describe the three different entities of Christianity growing up, did that cause any confusion for you as you're moving into your teenage years and then going off to college? How were you sorting all of that out in your head? Um, I knew my dad wasn't into religion, period. So mm -hmm. don't even mention it to okay. him. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was kind of trying to find her way. So she was going to church. Um, I ended up back at the Baptist church with my grandmother. Now that's where mm -hmm. I went when I was a teenager. That's where I went when I was in college. And then when I wanted to, I went to AME church with my cousin. Mm -hmm. uh, I was never confused. I just knew that my um, family had multiple religions and nobody, nobody never told me I had to choose one wow. or the other. Okay. They allowed me to go and explore both. Um, my grandfather never imposed his Jehovah Witness ways on me. Um, he would give us, oh gosh, that pamphlet. I can't even <laughs> think of the name of it. He brings it to your house on Saturday morning. The first watch, the Watchtower. First Watchtower. Mm -hmm. So he would give me those pamphlets to read, but he never imposed his belief on me. He never said, you must come to the, to the hall on Saturdays. Uh, it was kind of just left up to me to follow and whatever path I chose to follow. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So no confusion. You were like, okay, I can do this. I can do that. And everything was fine. Then you get to college. And so at what point did, did your paths intersect? I know there's some, some overlap. And so when did you all's path intersect in high school? Okay. You mean my husband? Yes, you and your High husband. High school. Uh -huh. Okay. So y'all were watching each other's development along this consciousness path in real time? Pretty much. He started first. Okay. So speak a little bit about your process of um, how you were exposed and came to understand 
uh, African spirituality? Sure. Um, just taking a step back, uh, because my wife and I met in high school, we met um, both as Christian and my involvement in in the religion was strong based on a strong Southern Baptist mm -hmm. uh, upbringing that I had. Mm -hmm. And it was often said, you know, if I wasn't called a professor, I was called a preacher. Okay. So uh, it's, it's uh, pretty clear to me that my family knew that I was groomed to be um, really who I am whether or not they knew obviously they wouldn't have thought that it would be um, within the context of African spirituality but someone who was destined to become a very spiritual person who would be in some ways minister mm -hmm. or, and, you know, a leader professor a leader, a leader. Mm -hmm. yeah they they could see that Okay. Um, obviously, growing up, I always thought that meant that it would be within the context of the Christian religion. And so, um, clearly, for my wife and I meeting in high school, that's just the way it was supposed to go. So, and you so thought you would come to college and be a preacher at some eventually point? Eventually, go to college mm -hmm. and get out, and we'd keep going to church, and, you know. And she would be a first lady. Yeah, all yeah. of that would happen. <laughs> yeah, that would have, you know, that was the way. That was the trajectory uh -huh. based on how things were okay. going. And then of course, um, college becomes a place where the universe opens up sure. to you and you uh -huh. begin to have experiences and questions. And, um, and so uh, once I um, took, um, I took a, a, a course uh, in the psychology department at Florida a University. Damn you. Damn you. <laughs> uh, and uh, that course in educational psychology with an uh, instructor of mine uh, by the name of Yvonne Bell, um, there were just some basic fundamental questions posed about our understanding as students of just reality as we knew it. Mm. And that led to other questions. And that led to. Um, Do you remember other one of those questions? Um, Fundamentally, uh, even though this was an educational psychology course, uh, the way the psychology department, their, the curriculum was structured, uh, the importance of culture and worldview uh, became real important, mm -hmm. really important. So if you were going to understand educational psychology and you were going to look at Piaget and you were going to look at uh, the system and understanding of learning um, before you delved into that um, you had to read um, as a requirement in, in many of the psychology courses at FAMU you had to read information from African centered or black psychologists that basically posed these challenges to the dominant view of seeing things so a fundamental question may, may may have been like, whose view of reality are we really 
adopting mm. is, is is the view of reality like the world as we know it is it really based on what is real is those things that we can see taste touch feel that comes through the five senses which right. we often assume because that's a dominant um eurocentric or western way of seeing how we learn and how we embrace and understand things mm -hmm. versus coming from an traditional African-centered worldview, which says the world is fundamentally organized in terms of spirit, hmm. that we are at our core divine spiritual spirit. beings. Wow. And mm -hmm. so that becomes the basis off of which we launch ourselves into understanding any and all things, psychological and otherwise. Mm -hmm. So this was your freshman year? <laughs> this, uh, even more interesting is that I went to a community college in Jacksonville first. Mm -hmm. So um, I did two years at the community college and then transferred to FAMU as okay. a junior. So this would have been my third year. The summer going into my third year. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. But to be exposed to that level of challenging thinking and actually radical thinking, because I don't know. At 19. Right. <laughs> Where else you're going to find that, that kind of question posed in that way from an African-centered framework? Mm -hmm. That's some pretty radical stuff. Certainly, given the way things had gone up to that point mm -hmm. where, you know, what we are told is what we learned in high school and what in elementary, that, you know, we come from a, a legacy of, you know, Protestant, you know, when you're talking about, you know, deep questions about the way the world is organized, it li you're limited to, oh, the world was flat, and 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 you know, the, the wars that were started around uh, whether or not you are Christian or whether or not you're mu Muslim, we were just locked in a certain kind of way of thinking that was outside of the context of what we understand now as the African worldview and African understanding. That wasn't even in the conversation. Okay. At FAMU, it was central. It was core to all learning and knowledge. Hmm. You had to start there. So yeah, radical is a, is a nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Radical and right. Um. Correct. Correct. <laughs> um, Correct. So you're taking these classes you're having your brain be challenged by these questions that you've never heard before. Are you, so y'all were dating at the time. Were you talking to her about what's percolating in your brain, what you're being challenged with? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We're, How are we're those conversations? conversations? I'm young now, I'm getting this information. I'm sharing it with everybody. Of course, I'm sharing it with this person that you know I love, we're, we're, we're joined at the hip, you know, uh, at this point, uh, Takesha hasn't joined me at FAMU at this point because she went to um, her family were um, you know Alabama A&M folks so <laughs> she she did that for a year oh you were on the other side for a minute huh <laughs> yeah yeah and then did the community college thing mm -hmm. that second year before she joined at FAM when I was close to being a senior so um so yeah, but but yeah, absolutely. I would share that. I would share information. I would go back home and share information, and eventually share that. Hey, look, I had some some questions that were being answered. I mean, being being posed to me, and 
information I was getting that made me question just the very mm-hmm. foundation on which my family had had me believe in it. Okay, and, okay. And I would share that with them and they'd be like, you know, hey, boy, what's wrong with you? <laughs> this is not how we raised you. So it, it caused problems. It caused friction. Um, okay. Certainly because looking back on it, being youthful, having gotten that information, I began to challenge them and question everything in a way that wasn't, um, that wasn't a way I would do it as a more mature, refined adult that yeah. has something that I know and believe to be more beneficial than I got before. I did it in a, a way that was really um, incendiary and it, um, you know, perhaps even disrespectful. Certainly, I know my grandmother felt disrespected and she let me know that about, about the way in which I was challenging what I was told. It wasn't the right way, but it was the youthful way. You got exposed mm-hmm. to this information and you're going to come back now and you're going to been youthful and naive, right? You're going to make your family believe what you now have gotten this information and challenge the whole foundation of like, centuries at least right right of Being how they raised country, you of how, of how they raised me of yeah, how they, they were raised yeah. and they were and so on yeah. but in this moment me getting this education i'm gonna right. go and i'm gonna erase all that right you know that's what my energy was okay. but that's just that was naive and so obviously was, the wrong it was guns ablazing Absolutely. so so and i lost those battles by the way mm. in terms of converting them that mm-hmm. was not gonna happen right right okay but that was my mission right <laughs> So, Takesha, as you're listening to him come back with these radical ideas, what's going through your mind during that time? Listening, I didn't jump on the, I didn't jump on the wagon <laughs> with him. I'm sure we had lots of debates, um, but he just shared. He never pushed. Um, mm-hmm. He never said, you have to believe what I believe. Um, He just always shared where he was, what his thinking was. Um, And for quite some time, I just listened and shared what I thought, but never jumped on the wagon with him like, okay, I believe too, because at that particular time, I was comfortable where I was. church was fine for me mm-hmm. um, really didn't see the need to do anything different mm-hmm. um, than what I was doing okay at what point did it begin to shift um, after I had Zuri because I had Zuri and was still going to the Black Baptist Church in D.C. with the Black Jesus and Black Disciples. Okay. And he was going to his ESE lay with our daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go back a bit. So in there, you got married. Mm-hmm. Um, after was it after college you got married? Or? Right after college. Right after college you got married. You moved from FAMU to, to, I mean, from Tallahassee to D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a daughter. Mm-hmm. That's your oldest daughter. Um, and then you had a son. How, how many years after that? Two years and nine months. <laughs> Two years and nine months after that, you had a son. Zuri, yes. who's, who's here. And we're going to get you in into this conversation momentarily. Um, and so you got these two kids. 
and your husband is going to the ELA, which is the, well, I'll let you explain the ELA. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so, um, so we marry in traditional, uh, in true African-American um, wedding. So was it Christian? Yes. Okay. A and Christian wedding. African. I say African American. So, in in the truest sense of the word, it was uh, one of the most, uh, I guess, interesting weddings I've ever been at. Mm-hmm. I just happened to be in it. <laughs> um, but I, I know enough to know from other feedback at other people from other fe- people that um, for some it was wonderful, for others it was like some have even admitted they like there's no way this is gonna work. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being there and seeing it because we were doing we were doing things so differently mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh, for her it was important to do the you know the tradition traditional white gown and the dum dum da dum you know uh, which was important for her and her family and her okay. and even my family because you had folks in my family not with that African stuff. Mm-hmm. But by this time, this is a uh, you know this is like the late '90s. You know, we're getting married just before I moved to start my PhD work, and she moves. Uh, obviously, she's coming. Uh, she just graduated from education, and it's about to be a public school teacher in Maryland. And so, uh, we have a libation at the wedding mm. and a Christian prayer. Okay, uh, a libation uh, is. A libation is a traditional form of reverence that is a cultural practice Mm -hmm. that's done all over Africa Mm. um, as a way of venerating or giving honor to uh, the creator Mm -hmm. and also the divine helpers of the creator. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are, you know, for Christian folk, that may be the angels, if you will, or or saints. Mm -hmm. Um, For African people, we see these forces or energies or creator helpers as like Orisha and and, and our tradition, Yoruba tradition and Akan tradition, they may call them Abosun. Mm-hmm. But these are forces of nature. And so the libation honors all of that. The the creator, uh the the, the natural forces, the ancestors. And so the idea was that we would have one of my mentors actually do that traditional African ritual, that libation. Uh, And then, of course, uh, an uncle of mine by marriage who married us um, would do the Christian thing and offer the Christian prayer. And uh, he, right after the libation, is almost like, like, whatever that was, I don't know, but now let us pray. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and so it was you could see all of this unfolding at the wedding right. and folk are like and and in the backdrop is a huge mural of white jesus oh. so this was like that's why i said i had friends who was like who would come out of that and be like <laughs> ain't no way that's gonna work like they are clearly not going to make it right uh, and obviously we like 25 years later yes and, and you know and so 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 that 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 and then we had African drum there, so she comes down in the traditional. I come down first in African drums. I mean, I'm firing the crowd, Christian and all. Uh-huh. They're like bobbing. They see the African drums, the beat of the drums, even had some of the older Christian folk just moving because uh-huh. it 
their spirit and soul it was res res responding to that uh -huh. but the ritual of it and the language is like uh, i can't feel that right and then she came in with her thing and her bridesmaids have on their dresses my groomsmen their african style <laughs> again this thing ain't supposed to work uh -huh. in theory you look at it you see how is this gonna work right, right. um and, and obviously we know it worked because there's just something real fundamental and basic. Sure, when you're connected, you're connected. Yeah, trust and yeah. love. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that 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 wedding um, was, was, was important. And so we would then move to D.C. where I would deepen my knowledge and information in the tradition by going and getting... Uh, readings through divination, which is a, again, it's a, it's a way in which African people get knowledge and information revealed to them through spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's a ancient spiritual social technology sure. that our people have been doing for millennia, mm -hmm. various ways of doing divination. And okay. in the Yoruba system, there's a way, and in the Akan system, there's a way. So. I got an Akan reading in which I was told that I need to go to the Yoruba side. Okay. Um, and so, but there had been so many things happening at FAMU that would eventually set me on that path, like a dream that literally came to me and told me the Ile that I would be in. And so I, through Akan, got led to that Ile. And the Ile is, a, is like a, um, a church. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual, it, it means house, mm -hmm. a dwelling. Uh, place and so this the spiritual Ile I was in, um, I got my readings and got clear about my spiritual path in Yoruba. Okay, so you were clear about your path, and Takesha, you were still on the Christ, Christianity quest, for lack Pretty of a better. Yeah. So as he was describing the wedding, I'm assuming, or let me ask, did you all just come to an agreement that all right? We're going to have these different elements so that we can co co coexist together and not have an argument about it. How did you? Uh, I don't know if it was, if that was the approach. Um, I was clear about where he was. It was more like a compromise. Mm -hmm. um, he was adamant that he wanted certain things and I was adamant. <laughs> that I wanted certain things. And mm -hmm. so he knew I was not going to put on the guard. Mm -hmm. That wasn't going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. I knew he was not going to put on the tux. Um, so I think it was more of a compromise. Like, it's not my wedding. It's not his wedding. It's our wedding. Mm. And so this is where we are. I respect where he is. He respects where I am. Mm -hmm. And so this wedding of ours is going to reflect where right. where we are like um so i really think that was the whole gist behind that i can remember uh -huh. Man, you know what i you, completely uh, accurate the way she just said that. yeah you, you know what i like about that is it it speaks to unconditional love and truly being able to accept like i love this person and even though they're going to wear a tuxedo or they're going to wear or rather they're not going to wear a tuxedo or they're not going to wear the African attire, that doesn't matter more so than my love and my connection and wanting to be and build with this person. 
Um, and that's, that's something very powerful that I think should undergird all relationships. But you see people allow things like, like really, this shouldn't. It defies logic um, because you should have been arguing and tearing each other apart. But maybe spirit was the thing that was ultimately tying you together even in that. And this we knew, right? Because, you know, it's coming. And this is a thing for um, your listeners out there who are searching and on the quest. And I'm sure they'll probably come at the end, but I'm just kind of jumping. But to, when you are being led... Um, and you're in the right direction. You things tend to fall in line, mm-hmm. um, and I, from dreams, from friends' dreams, saying they see us, they see our relationship um, with warnings and with um, clear pictures of or images of greatness and bountifulness in terms of the strength of a relationship all this feedback that we were getting and all of these things that would come um would say that hey look um you are on a path this is the person you're supposed to be on this path with Mm -hmm. so all things in time it was never uh, having that initial um, experience where I'm jolted by the shock in which the person that I love the most in the world at that time, you know, my grandmother uh, next to my mother, um, being hurt by the way in which I was looking to convert her through my conversion and disrespect what she had taught me the way I did it mm-hmm. uh, taught me a valuable lesson and this is probably like five five to seven years before our wedding okay. that um, I'm not going to hurt the person that I know I'm going to be loving for or want to love for the rest of my life the mm-hmm. way I hurt my grandmother mm-hmm. so I believe whether I was conscious of it or not that um that my path was for me and I needed to be clear about my path and my the, the walk that I knew I was destined to have through all of this feedback I got. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if a part of my destiny, a significant part of my destiny is this woman right next to me, then her ancestors and her path is gonna have to be respected and I'm just gonna be there no matter what mm-hmm. and so that early experience with that youthful, youthful naive energy right i think taught me going into uh, like the wedding and all that that you know this is her her path i need to be if this thing i got is really good then at some point she's gonna know it mm-hmm. and let her make the choice and let her come to that on her own it ain't not it's not for me to push right because we had certain things we were clear about as we started negotiating and navigating this different spaces we were in and what we were clear is that we wanted children Mm -hmm. and what we were also clear about is the confusion we're having or the things that we had between us we knew that we wanted our children to come up differently okay and she 
always embraced the idea that wherever we take our children, it will be taking them there together. And we knew just based on our own experiences that it wasn't going to be within the church. That part we were clear about that. It, that didn't mean that if she wanted to take the child to church that they couldn't go to church, but that they would grow up in the tradition. And that's something that we kind of worked out, as I recall, before we even had children. So you're saying that, let's, let's bring it back to, to where, Takisha, you're talking about being in church one day and he's at the ELA with your older daughter. You're in church with your younger son. So, okay, now what was going on in your mind and, and how did... <laughs> yeah. Well, she put um, it that way. No, I'm saying, that's, I just never thought about it, but it's true. He, he got his warriors. He had the case. Um, I can remember him getting up on Sunday mornings, going downstairs to pray, and our daughter, Elisha, sliding downstairs, calling him like, wait wait Baba, wait Baba, because she wants to go down there and pray too. Mm -hmm. um, me, mm, no, not really interested. Um, <laughs> and he didn't push. That was the thing. He never pushed me. Um, he would take our daughter and he would go to his E, his ears, Elay, and they would have like, I guess you can call it like Sunday devotion, like prayer and song. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. Not, not interested. And he never pushed like, you gotta go. Like, he would be like, I'm leaving. Okay. And so when Zuri came along, then he, Elisha was already going mm -hmm. with him. So she, she would go. She, she liked going. She liked going. And I think more so she liked being up under her dad. Okay. So if he was home, whatever he was doing, she wanted to be in the space. Uh, so she went with him. And... Zuri was a baby, and so I took Zuri <laughs> <laughs> to church with me, and um, I don't ever think we even really had conversations about it. It was just, he was on his path, and he was clear I wasn't there, and um, if he wanted to take Zuri, I never said no, and there were functions where his ear wanted all of us, and I went, mm -hmm. and there were times when I needed to do work or the kids needed to have work and I was like okay so when it came to that kind of work? spiritual work okay in 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 the in, uh, in the tradition in the tradition okay. um, I was all there mm -hmm. still not at nowhere near the point of okay I want to convert mm -hmm. but we had already agreed that the children would be as well as to the tradition, regardless of where I was. Um, mm -hmm. So it really wasn't until when we got ready to move back to Tallahassee after he got his PhD and he got the job at FAMU. That's kind of when I think I started to shift a little bit. Um, when we came back here, I know I wasn't going to church anymore. <laughs> um, but started to want to know a little bit more. The kids were a little older. Um, and actually when we got back and then he got ready to be initiated, I think was the, was the turning point for me. Hmm. Like, 
okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on this wagon. Why? Mm. I had had readings. So I had, his ear had done lots of readings on me and it was always, it was left up to me. So I could choose to stay in the church or I could choose this African path mm-hmm. of African spirituality, but it was a never you have to. It was really as left up to you whenever you want to do it. Um, every time we went to the mat, that's what came out and that's kind of what I went with. So it was never a rush. Once he got initiated, then I started to make the shift because it was more than him leaving the house and going to do his thing. It was, it was in the everyday thing. So once he became came a Yahweh, then that involved the children, that involved me. Mm-hmm. So then it was like, okay. You kind of got to get on, you got to mm-hmm. get on the wagon, like, because it's not just him by himself anymore. It's like the whole family at this point. So then I just started to, you know, read, ask questions, watch, basically is what I did. And even after he became an Obatala priest, she was still doing readings on me and it was still either or, no rush. Mm-hmm. So I want to say... It was maybe five years, six years after he had become initiated that I was having some lots of issues at work and went to Roman Oshun priest that I knew to have a reading. And the reading said, it's time. Mm -hmm. So you've had all these things or all these blessings. It's time. And now it's time for you to you gonna have to make this decision to initiate. And it was the first time I had had a reading where she was coming and saying, now you gotta make a decision. Mm-hmm. So from there, went to the shrines, cause I had warriors, went, meditated, started looking at people and then went to my Baba. He wasn't my Baba then. Um, and then had some more readings and it was time. So you could feel an internal shift happening through Uh, this process because you're going to get reading. So obviously you're benefiting from the uh, information that you're receiving, even though you're still saying, I don't want to do that. But there's something happening where there's a shift and and it doesn't sound like it was a forced shift. No, it wasn't a forced shift. It was just something I came into um, because all the readings were always just about me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when people get initiated, you get initiated for different reasons. And some people get initiated to become godparents. Others get initiated for personal reasons mm-hmm. and just for themselves. Okay. And so my readings were always personal and for me, mm-hmm. uh, for my walk. And so I have been having all these issues at work and already knew I need I need to make a change. Like it's time for me to make make some changes. Mm-hmm. And I knew that those changes had to start with spirit. So that's when I went and had the reading mm-hmm. with the Oshun priest and she was okay. like, It's time. Okay. Like and I was like, Yeah, I know it's <laughs> it's probably been time, mm-hmm. but it's time. And 
that really was the turning point for me. But in all of that, there was still never a push. So okay. even after that reading, he didn't. He never pushed like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to go to this. He left everything to me. He didn't say you need to go to this person or that person. It was whatever I decided. He was like, okay. 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 So in this process, you have your two children. How old were your children at this point when you're making this decision? Um, Zuri's in fourth grade, so he's nine. Oh. And Elisha, 11, 12. Okay. So talk a little bit about how you all were consciously raising your children in the context of spirit and um, a spiritual system. So the Yahweh thing that you heard my wife say, maybe your listeners heard a moment ago, Yahweh is like a, uh, Yahweh means wife. And in this tradition, when you initiate, you are believed to be marrying, connecting to, merging with um, the energy that is directing you or is supposed to direct you for the rest of your life. Uh, So an initiate in marrying the energy becomes the wife, male or female. Mm -hmm. Whether the person's in male or female, they're still called the the wife of the Orisha or the force or the energy Mm -hmm. because it's mounted on you and it's it's a relationship now that is connecting you forever, right? Okay. And so as an Iyawo, you have certain requirements within the particular um, system by which we came to this tradition, which is uh, Lukumi, uh, Santeria. It's the Afro-Cuban expression of the Yoruba religion okay. outside of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably a whole nother. You probably already had many uh, or will have uh, conversations about these different types. Right. Right. Uh, but that's the system through which we came in. And there... Lukumi is. Lukumi is. Okay. Lukumi. Mm-hmm. And, and that uh, Lukumi system requires a number of requirements as you are initiating. So you start your initiation and it typically lasts for a year. And within that year, you have all kinds of tenets mm-hmm. or protocols that have to be observed, which is when my wife says, it now involves the family. Right. Because you can't do that kind of thing and the kind of requirements um, without certainly being, 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 um, I guess, what do I want to call it? An earthly marriage, right? right? right. Uh, you can't have this spiritual marriage and relationship that requires you to do these things without having your earthly mate be mm-hmm. on board. Okay. And so, um, Frederick Douglass said a quote, you are worked on by what you work on. You may wish to alter the situation some of the time, but the situation will alter, surely alter you all of the time. Mm. So we were 
altered <laughs> significantly by this path that I placed myself on. She right. didn't sign up for it, right. but, but it altered us both. Right. And so I think that speaks to what it is she, uh, my wife was talking about. And in that process, we got children. Mm-hmm. So the children have questions and they're asking and they're curious. And so um, my learning process was strict and probably unique based on the 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 teacher, uh, the godmother that I had, who was very, very knowledgeable, very stern, very strict, very... Um, uh, uh, I would say orthodox in, in, in the sense of what we were in sure. um, by the book mm-hmm. uh, and very uh, encouraged me to read, absorb and um, if this is what you want to do then you're going to do it right that right. was pretty much her and so with that said when I moved back to Tallahassee I reconnected with a lot of people because I went to FAMU as I told you undergrad mm-hmm. I went off to get my PhD stayed away eight years or so came back to Tallahassee meanwhile I had people who stayed in Tallahassee right who I was in school with who embraced this tradition and so now we're we're coming together you know some eight years later with children and families and one of my buddies actually saw me with the some of the implements on my wrist Mm-hmm. Like, yo, what's that? I'm like, and he saw one of my children. Look at them. They got all this stuff on them. What is that about? You know, he mm-hmm. knows, what it's about, knows what it's about because his children have it. Right. But he's engaging me in a conversation. Like, so what you've been into these last <laughs> six or seven years since right. I, since we've been together? And so when we get back here to Tallahassee after I took the job, the FAMU, after I graduated with my, with my PhD, um, other families with their children were here. So now you have not just our family in it, but you have multiple families who are either, at least one of them, my brother had initiated, brother from another mother, initiated uh, into the tradition about a year or so before me. Mm-hmm. Um, my Yawo year, I'm studying, so I'm inviting them to study with me so it's not a lonely kind of road. Right. And so we have a group of people who are now about to initiate or at least one having initiated and so we're learning together. And after I initiated um, our children, their children, we're doing um, prayer and song and dance in the tradition mm-hmm. with our children present. So okay. they're growing up in it. So we're introducing back to your question, uh, which I haven't forgot it, um, about how we engage our children around spirit. We made it a part of their 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 regular social reality, and so for your wife, she's still on the peripheral, but you're fully engaged in this process because these by meetings default. are at our home, right? Right. Because right, right. I'm not as a Yahweh, I'm not allowed, especially if it's in the evening. I'm not allowed to really. Home is my base for right. pretty much a year or so, and when I'm out, there's very there, there there's restrictions. Right. Again, depending upon who your guide is through this mm-hmm. tradition, then you may have a, a loose adherence to mm-hmm. the protocol, or in my case, tight, <laughs> right. strict adherence mm-hmm. to the protocol. And as I'm talking to you about it, as much as I may not have appreciated and liked it as I was going through it, uh, I can now see a part of a significant part of how I move in the tradition 
is based on that those early formative experiences mm. to my EF for that I am you know certainly grateful right so we don't always appreciate what we're going through in the moment right? absolutely mm. absolutely mm -hmm. yeah okay and so Takesha would you agree that uh uh, or how would you phrase those early years in terms of the conversations you all were having about what you wanted to infuse into your children and how they were even seeing it? Um, and then we're going to have It was pretty much what my um, husband said. It, once he became a Yawo, it was like all, all hands on deck. Like... Um, Zuri, not so much with the questions, but Elisha had a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> because he had a lot of protocols. Um, and but Why is he on that mat? Why he got to use that spoon? Why yeah, <laughs> um, especially when you have to, when you're going to your, your daughter, your seven-year-old daughter's piano recital, and you're carrying the green straw mat, mm. and you got to sit on it. Mm-hmm. And so she had questions. Um, and then his study sessions were at our house. Mm -hmm. So, and it wasn't where he had study sessions and they had to go in the room. They were always there. So whatever he was doing, they were always there. And I was just like on the periphery, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, you know, this is what he's doing and I'm going to be the supportive wife mm -hmm. but at the same She's time absorbing I'm, on the side but at the same time i'm watching <laughs> i'm taking it in mm -hmm. but in my own way i didn't engage mm -hmm. but i just sat back as i typically do and mm -hmm. watch um and so the kids probably for as far back as they can go it's all they do know mm -hmm. is um this african spirituality they they know church because they hear church and they know that their family goes to church but they don't know it like y'all knew they it. don't know church like we know church mm -hmm. um, i think our children have been once with my mother and stepfather and was like what is this and get me out of here <laughs> really like um, because that's not what we agreed to do for them before we had them. Mm -hmm. So we were, I was very clear that I wanted them to have a different upbringing and a different path than mine. Um, but once he, once he went all, all the way, it really was just like, okay, she's coming. Mm -hmm. I don't know when she's coming, but she's coming. Um, mm -hmm. Because I knew eventually the kids would go. Mm. Um, so it's really just a matter of time. Okay. So I'm going to come back. I got some other questions for y'all. But Zuri, I want to get you in on this conversation. Um, so you've been listening to your parents talk about their process here. Um, you, anything you learned from what you heard? Um, I didn't know about the wedding. Like I didn't, I didn't know that uh, that um, you know, like there were so many problems at the wedding regarding like the two different cultures. Challenges. Challenges, yeah. yeah. Like, like I didn't know about that, and like well, most of everything else I know 
But I didn't know it took my mom that long to change, like switch. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure when my when my father switched over to the African like to the African spirituality part. But everything else, I, I've just been brought up on, and I knew. Mm-hmm. So, so can you remember the first time as a child having an awareness of? The African spiritual system? Um, maybe, well, I just, when I, I just remember the first thing I remember regarding African spirituality was just like a moment, was just like being in my, uh, my Aluo, which is like, which is like, in like Christian terms, probably like father or teacher. That, that shows you about the tradition. Like, I just remember being in his house and downstairs and we were, we were doing something regarding African spirituality, whether it was, I think it was a divination. So I was getting receiving yearly divination. It would tell me information about what I was supposed to do that year, how I was supposed to act or what things I need to watch out for and stuff like that. And I remember we have a picture. I remember me there, and he was sitting behind me, and I was smiling, and we were just going through everything we had to do regarding the process. And I didn't really know because I was so young, but that's probably the first thing that I just knew because I was so brought up on it. I just knew mm-hmm. regarding that. So. so, when you would get this information as a child, how did it impact you? Did you did you say okay? I got to make sure I do this, or were you? Uh, how how did you feel getting that information? Uh, it's kind of like I thought it was kind of cool, you know. It's like for me, it's something I have that other kids don't. That a lot of kids don't have. Like they don't get warnings. They don't get spirits telling them what they should do for their benefit. You know, I took it as. Well, now I'm reflecting on it back then as it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Back then it was just like, it's just, you know, it was just like me going with the flow. It's like something I just had to do. And my parents helped me out with it, especially my father, because he was more, when I was younger, he was more, he was into it, not my, really my mom. So he was the one helping me out really with it. So. Mm-hmm. so it felt natural to you. Yeah, natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... As you have evolved and you're a young man uh, capable of thinking about things in a, on a deeper level, um, how do you think about it now? I think regarding regarding um, regarding the practice, regarding how you're going to carry it forth moving forward, um, regarding your understand of, understanding of God and spirit. Uh, I think you know it's take it as a you know privilege just like and my ia my my luo which are both my teachers they they always tell me and my sister when we go get our um yearly divinations they always tell me that you guys have something that nobody else has mm-hmm. nobody else in america has and that i just i just always try to appreciate that because it's just like like 
things are set out for you, you know, like you always know, you always get warnings, you always, you always, how should I say this? You're always informed mm -hmm. about what you should do and just, it's like a real, it's a gift basically. Mm. It's like, mm -hmm. can't really explain it. That's a, that's a good way, a gift. It's like uh, something that is yours and yeah. you can own it like, uh, and internalize it for yourself, yeah. not for anybody else. And so your EI and your Oluo are different from your parents, right? Yes, my Oluo, he's from Africa. He's, he, yeah, he's from Africa. He was brought up on it, obviously, and then he moved here. I don't know when, but he moved here. My Ia, I'm not sure where she's from. Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah, she's from Baltimore. Yeah, DC. I'm sorry. Yeah. And when she, I don't think she was brought up on it. No, no, she wasn't raised up on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think she was raised on it, but she when she she's African and born in America. Yeah, but she got older, she got into it, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like, what's the question? <laughs> Just the impact that they have as opposed to your parents. Oh, well, yeah, my, my Lou, he like, since he's from there, he has, he's so, he's, he's more knowledgeable about it because he's experienced it, like from the roots, like he's actually experienced, he's actually lived it mm -hmm. more, more deep than my parents can here. So like, it seems like he's more, he carries more energy around him. He has more experience and it feels more, it feels stronger with him. Like the information I get and when I'm around him and when we do divination and stuff like that regarding spirituality, as well as my Ia, because they also talk the language so it's like everything that they do, mm -hmm. it's just like it's stronger and it's more, it, it relates more back to the roots of where it started. Okay. All right. Do you feel any pressure um, to be a certain way? Pressure? Um, no, not really. I mean, I was always brought up on it, so I didn't really, really know, like, different until I got to school and I was like, Christianity, what was that? <laughs> it's like, it's always been like, because I've always we've had a community and we've always been around people that were just like me, who were in the same religion, same spirituality as me. So it was just like, I have friends, we're close, we always hang around each other. It's just like, when you got to school and stuff like that, it's like all these other kids, Muslims and Christ Christians and all that, you're just like, huh? But it's like, since there's a majority Christian here, it's just like, they'll ask you and they'll be like, oh, what's your religion? Oh, what's your... What's this? What's this? What's that? You're just like, and they're just they're so shocked that you're not Christian as well. It's just like everybody doesn't have to be Christian, but it's like, you know, and it's like different religions carry different different customs. Like mm -hmm. for us, we wear daishikis and kufus, which is like a little, which is like a hat, basically mm -hmm. a little traditional African hat, and it's like. I guess we'll say it's kind of challenging in a way because like, or pressure in a way because like, 
sometimes when you have a function, you're dressed this way, and people look at you weird because you're just like, hmm, I wonder why he's dressed like that. Um, instead of dressing like regular jeans or a shirt, you're hmm. dressed in a full African outfit or something, you know? So have you had to deal with people teasing you? Teasing me? I can't recall ever being teased about it as much as like just people like looking yeah looking and like mm-hmm. wondering mm-hmm. it's like hmm what's that kid dressed like that I mean, why, why does he does he look like that or why is he why is he not Christian or you know mm. but it didn't bother you then, I mean bother me mm. always knew and I guess it helped because there were other people like me mm-hmm like if there, if there weren't people like me, if I didn't have a community, then I, I guess it would be like way worse. But like, always had other people behind me that were the same as me. So it was just like other peers, other, other kids, peers, yeah, yeah. Kids like me, mm-hmm. just like who the same system, spirituality, all that. So mm-hmm. just like, you're different. Mm-hmm. I'm different. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you all, as parents, think about um, some of the pressures that? might come from situations of uh, children, we're in a predominantly Christian society, sending him into an environment where these Christian children might be uh, teasing or saying certain things or dealing with some of the uh, things he he talked about. Did did you ever kind of think about that? Or what was your approach to creating this, a strong person who knew who he was and didn't have to succumb to any of the pressures of that. So for your first first part of your question, did we ever think about it or worry about it? The answer is no. Um, it didn't matter um, because we knew who they were when they, well, this uh, for my son, I, again, I told you earlier about dreams and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He revealed himself to me in a dream prior to being born. Mm. Um, and so, uh, and I think at, at one point we may have even thought he was going to be a girl, mm-hmm. perhaps, or mm-hmm. something. We may have been told. Yeah, yeah. And then I shared with her the, who he told me he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we, you know, got that figured out through the Western, you know, sonogram or whatever, or if we just went on saying they said a girl, but I'm just telling you what I saw. So we'll see when, when he gets here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but, uh, you know, there was, there were some things prior to him meeting his old woe or us connecting with his old woe. Um, uh, he, you know, when a child is born in a Yoruba tradition, there are several things, there, there are things that need to happen. Um, uh, which is required to ensure we know who they are and place them on their path Mm -hmm. and keep them on their path. And then, um, of course, eventually he also had his naming ceremony and and all of those things. Um, So, no, no, we didn't didn't worry about it. I think at a certain point we thought we would actually have them uh, in African-centered schools, which would make it even more part of his normal reality. But when that didn't happen... I mean, we knew there would be challenges in public school, but we knew this thing is who we are, so mm-hmm. it, it will um, it will take care of itself. So in terms of the approach part, the approach was to keep 
normalcy in their more intimate circle and space, right? Like the Sunday gatherings, the events we would have and ceremonies at each other's houses, his best friend, like a brother, his, their families in the tradition, mm. they spend the night. So all the regular or quote unquote regular experiences that a non, non, um, African spirituality child sure. right. uh, right. would you. have right mm-hmm. um, he, he had all those and as did our daughter they had friends come over but their friends mm-hmm. were also in a tradition so it mm-hmm. was normal for them and yeah when you went to school whatever whatever school was it was you come back your normalcy is here so mm-hmm. it wasn't in isolation so the approach wasn't to make it something that was uh, that, that, that they felt isolated in but at the same time, this place we live is large enough for it to still be something that is not, it's clear that it's not what most people do here in America. Mm-hmm. And so whatever feelings that brings up, you know, they come with it. Um, but because of our commitment to this process and it being his normal, our children's normal. Mm-hmm. I guess they just didn't think about it a lot. Right, what he right. Said. And so mm-hmm. um, we we intentionally provided spaces for them, those spaces that matter most, um, so they didn't have to feel isolated and that kind of thing. Now, obviously, we I deeply regret that they didn't go through uh, African Center School all throughout because you know that would have just been something that would have been, um, I think. Uh, an experience, and it's a again a separate conversation, but it's it's a different type of socialization experience that mm-hmm. prevents a lot of things from right. happening. Right, right. Yeah, they were they were we were okay with who they were and where we were sending them. And our daughter didn't even do. I mean, after middle school, that was it. She did high school. Um, it was like homeschool, virtual school. So, and we just continued to create intentional social space for them to grow up in Mm -hmm. so it'd be safe to say you gave a lot of thought to what you were doing as parents to create these type of individuals who could be uh self-confident um knowing that they can do anything and independent enough to take on the challenges of the world that sounds good yeah okay okay so this has been really rich. Um, let me ask this question uh, as we begin to wind down here. So your children are now moving into young adulthood. What if they have a change in, the, in how they understand spirituality and want to do something different than what you have raised them to do? How, what would your response be? That's a fair question, and it's a question that is, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much time I have spent thinking about it. Um, um, well, I think the initial thing I would do is what we train them to do. We have a one of the things my godmother would always tell us is, even as we were coming into tradition, 
and teaching us how to do our own readings and checkups and, mm-hmm. and, and, and do our, there, there, there are multiple levels of divination that can be um, for quick checks and then there are more in-depth readings that require a more uh, systematic um, process mm-hmm. getting answers. Um, but she was very keen on us being what she called knowing how to take your own temperature. Mm. And so she was aware that we wouldn't always be around her and under her, but that coming in this tradition, we need to know how to commune and connect and talk to and communicate with spirit, uh, be it through dreams, but specifically through the system of divination. Okay. And we had our quick checks. And so for me, I imagine my first response to for anything you want to do, whether it's a mate, whether it's go this place, go that place, or whether it's to leave the tradition, um, check that out first to make sure you're not um, putting yourself on a path that you are not supposed to be on. Um, I'm sure there'd be a lot of warnings about, and uh, or, or maybe not even warnings, a lot of encouragement for them to recollect and understand that rich information that they always have because uh, 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 Zori talked about how he had these readings and he remember getting these yearly readings mm-hmm. well they've been getting these things for a while right? and they know consistently the information that has come out and they know based on their experiences whether or not this information has been valid mm. because they've been living it right? and right, so right. it would just be a matter of saying hey Consider this information you've been getting now that you're a young adult and think you know things and think you're going to step out and do what you want. <laughs> right. Make sure you consider this information that you've been getting and collecting over the years because this thing is real. And not to frighten you or anything, but you have a path. You have a destiny, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And you have a way of checking up to make sure you're on and being consistent with that. Make sure before you do much of anything, you're clear about what you're doing. And before you decide you ain't going to do this thing, you (laughs) definitely want to make sure that this is the right way for you. And I I suspect knowing what I know and believe, because I I just believe that would never happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a legitimate question because it could happen. That that would be my approach. It'll be more reasoning. It'll be more uh, be like, okay, remember who you are. I would imagine and um, be like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure what you've been doing all your life is something that uh, you should be doing. And if the question, because my children are sharp enough to be like, well, you had something you were doing all your life, right? And you changed, <laughs> right? Which is probably where you're right, right. inspiring your question, exactly. Um, I, I I and that that is also fair and legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike me though um, and it's one of my buddies always said one of his older wolves told him that we in this African spirituality and this tradition that has for millennia being an active system where you commune with spirit we have something that most don't we have a roadmap 
that is what divination that is what ifa for us the divination system is ifa and the sure. oracle we have ifa mm -hmm. ifa knows all and we have a way of tapping into that mm -hmm. uh, we can't tap into in this direct way to guide us now we have scripture and all that christians have mm -hmm. to like decipher quotes and interpret their meanings which we also have in right, the right, system, right? right? In many in ways. In the Yoruba mm -hmm. system. We have an or No, we have verses. We Odoo. have Odu, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, which are the words of God, uh, all right? But we also have this active system of telling us where we're going. It's that roadmap that we're talking about. I'm like, I'll be like, Jory, you got your roadmap. Unless you got your road. Make sure you look at your map. If you decide you're going to fold your map up and put it away and go somewhere else, understand that you have decided that you want to... <laughs> walk a path where you no longer can see like you used to see before um i think the wisdom of 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 of, of these two i think will bring them back to to where they are for me there were unanswered questions mm -hmm. that just could never get answered that never got answered right which led me to go somewhere else where i could always get those answers and so mm -hmm. that would be that difference okay. for me in terms of why i left because I talked to so many preachers, including uncles, including a past pastor. The questions I was asking them before I left, they, they, they just could not answer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but even if after all of that, he still said, yeah, I still want to do this, you'd be okay with it? No, I wouldn't be okay with it. Uh, I would have to accept it mm -hmm. uh, because I'm imagining at that point you're suggesting that they are at a point where they can do what they want to do. Right, right, right. So then, yeah, I mean, obviously, as uh, independent, free-thinking individuals, I would, I would have to. I mean, I couldn't do anything. They're no longer living under my roof. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them no more money. I cut them <laughs> off. I do all that. So you can't come to me for that. But you know, I gotta respect your decision. <laughs> so. Uh, but I, I'm certain that I'm certain that I'm certain that my wife and I would 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 continue to do what we did for them before we connected them with their old sure. world, which is do our divination, our system, our check for them, do our readings, do our eyeball for them. Because if they ever get out of their African minds and do something like mm -hmm. that, then indeed it would be more of our response i would assume the responsibility of knowing what's best for them and do my thing for them within the context of mm -hmm. what i'm doing what mm -hmm. we do here in our house so they would still be protected for whatever that would be worth because all individuals have a choice and that's right. what ifa gives us absolutely ifa gives us choices to go left to go right mm -hmm. and though as parents we might want to try to uh, absolve them from their responsibility to their destiny, ultimately, their destiny is their walk and their path. Yes. So we'd have to watch them walk their path. Mm -hmm. But because of what my grandmother and my mother gave me, which is a deep sense of faith in the creator, in spirit, that that faith I have in Ifa, Orisha, and Egrum, we have that is unshakable. So even if they were receptive, I would have faith that whatever I would do would be hmm. enough to protect them from whatever even they put themselves into. Because mm -hmm. yeah, so. mm. at that point, that's all I got. Yeah. They're telling me they ain't doing but, it. No but this, is so, this raises an interesting question because your, your, your mother, your grandmother would say they had that same level of faith. My mother still says she has faith that I'm going to come back right. and, and be a Christian. And she, mm -hmm. she is speaking that 
every time we talk, I'm praying for you, God, you you coming back and you and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but she fully believes that that to be the case. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I had another friend that say, well, it, what 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 they may not understand is that we haven't abandoned what they taught us. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he said to me, uh, we've deepened our understanding of what they were fundamentally teaching, which is love God, be an honorable person, treat people the way you want to be treated, and live a righteous life that is for them Christ-like, right? But that mm -hmm. just says to me, live a life and commit yourself to a life of righteousness and good character uh, so that when the time comes, you will be looked upon favorably mm -hmm. by the one who has all power and is in all control. And so whether or not I say Oludumare or Ifa uh, um, or someone else says Jesus or Allah, uh, I believe that we are on a path to connect and keep ourselves in alignment with our destiny and do it in a way that we embrace something higher than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, even if I have aunts or even my sister and I have cousins now coming to me because they see this thing ain't a fad for me after all these years, this is real. Right. So some of them are coming and talking about getting readings and, 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 and seeing what I'm doing, right? Because mm -hmm. he ain't left... He ain't left yet, so he must be going to stay in this thing. Yeah, so and his life and his life looks good. And his life <laughs> is something about his life. So so I think that's really where it's at. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, yeah, that, that'd be interesting if our children ever said that. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, now that you asked the question, I think I'll be ready for it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's more for every, you know, this is about critical thinking. And we're constantly... We're doing this podcast to get people thinking about why they do what they do and where that thinking comes from, right? And so that we keep asking questions in the spirit of, uh, you know, a yikwe arma, you know, it's the next question and the next question and the next question because um, the world is so large and the universe just keeps going and we can't understand all of the many, many different aspects, but we can keep trying to evolve that, right? So what I like about your family is that the things that we've been talking about today are things I think that need to be discussed um, in a more comprehensive manner. And you brought to light some things that I think are a model for people. I think a lot of people are going to be inspired by uh, some of the things you all were able to talk about. Uh, so as we close, I would like for each of you to say... I would like for you as a mother and as a wife, as a father and as a husband and as a son and a teenager to just offer some closing words to sum up how you would like words of advice for people who would be in your position and how they can be their best selves as they walk whatever spiritual path they're walking. And I said, if you had our daughter here, it'd be 
that much more interesting. So you got to figure out a way to work that out because uh-huh. <laughs> your interview would have been even more, uh, what do they say, <laughs> on fleek or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on fleek, you is that? Me? Oh, you can start Elvis first. Oh, they want me to go first. So, yeah, I don't know if I said it right. Uh, I don't know if it's on fleek. Yeah, you know, I, I was lit. Oh, lit. It's that's lit. what I mean. That's right. That's it's right. lit. Lit, lit. It'd be more lit. So, excuse me. That's an intergenerational, generational thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, your question was, final, what would I yeah. final thought about? How you would inspire husbands, fathers, on their path of spirit to do it in a way that is optimal, that is going to yield results that move themselves and their families forward in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. I. So obviously I wouldn't know what the outcome of whatever that movement would be. Um, I do know that for me it was... A frightening prospect to walk away from what I had known uh, at the point at which I didn't have uh, as much information as I may have wanted to have um, before making the decision to leave the church. Um, what was most comforting for me was my faith that those same individuals had given me, my family had given me, but my faith that I was gonna be all right and be led Mm -hmm. to where I needed to be. And for me, it was holding on to my ancestors uh, so that for us, the Egun or the ancestors in the Yoruba tradition uh, mean mean everything. It's our blood, it's our lineage. Mm -hmm. And so, unbeknownst to me then is that what I was doing is reestablishing a tradition that had been stolen, taken, violently ripped from us and reestablishing that for our family, for hopefully millennia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, lineage work. So for me, it's been through ancestors. So if you have nothing else to cling to, but praying to that father or that grandfather, that grandmama or that auntie or whatever that's transition, that they help you and guide you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Because them your family, them your folk. Mm-hmm. And if they are out there and if they can hear you, then you're going to see once you do that in earnest, in terms of how it worked for me now, uh, things will reveal themselves to you whether it's through dreams, whether it's through people say, I thought about you and I had this thought, through you bumping into people and confirming, you know, I had experience this weekend with a young woman from who came to a conference we were doing. It's just an incredible experience, but it was all confirmation in terms of converging paths and destinies that I think her ancestors had her own, that mm-hmm. we actually met. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of experiences happen because you ask for them. So mm-hmm. the long answer to your short question is, Ask your people, ask your ancestors, and have faith that they'll guide you to where you need to be and allow yourself to be led. Okay. All right. Takisha, what say you? 
Listen to your spirit. Um, listen to your ovary, which is your head. Those two things, they won't. They're gonna guide you to where it is you're supposed to go, uh, if you truly sure. listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a wife, being supportive and knowing that your mate is not going to steer you wrong. You are your family in terms of um, the children and in terms of being a mother. Mm. Putting them on the path that they need to be on, which sometimes isn't your path. Mm. And knowing that there is a difference in what they need and what you need. Mm. Um, and being clear about that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's there's a lot said in that being clear about what you need and what they need. We probably could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> but, okay. Without so many words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And Zuri. Um, give some last closing words to the teenagers who might be listening, what you would say to them about um, your path of spirit and how to optimally walk the path of spirit. We'll just cut that out. Go ahead. Yeah, I, would, I would say I'd lie to them. I'd be like, Oh, my advice to them would be do it with walk with like good intention and with all of yourself not not with like half of yourself this way half of yourself the other way like I would say commit yourself because I think that's the that's that's how you're going to get the most out of it the maximum outcome out of it which is Going with honest intentions and good intentions, I think that it can really help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. I, I appreciate the Robertson family for joining us in this conversation, uh, tapping into spirit. Yeah, talking about spirit. So in closing, we'd like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive, and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.